Let's begin this morning by looking at Joel chapter 3, verse 14. Joel chapter 3, verse 14 has been the base text over the last three weeks, and we'll end up, we'll conclude a series that we've called Valley of Decision this morning. And again, the base text has been this passage in the book of Joel, prophecy concerning the last times, the last days. And Joel had this to say about the last days, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now I want you to understand, Joel says that the day of the Lord is near. When you see the term, the day of the Lord, in the Word of God, it is not talking about the rapture of the church. It is talking about the judgment of God coming upon this world. The day of the Lord is always in reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ, of which we'll look at here this morning. So over the past three weeks, we've explored various valleys of decision within the Word of God. We've looked at individual valleys of decision, how each and every one of us, based upon decisions we make in life, we will face a valley of decision for that decision, whether it be good or whether it be bad. We've looked over the last three weeks at cities who have made decisions and as a result had to face a valley of decision. Last week we looked at nations, how nations have to uh, suffer the consequence of decisions they make in valleys of decisions. We will all experience the judgment of God based upon decisions we make when it comes to areas of sin within our life. Now, as we've said from the beginning of this study, when it comes to prophecy, all throughout the Old Testament, when it comes to prophecy, you see prefillments, you see fulfillments, and you see ultimate fulfillments of prophecy. And what we're going to look at this morning is the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy in Joel chapter 3, verse 14, where the prophet Joel said, multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision, the day of the Lord is near for this valley of decision to come upon this world. Now, although most people in the world are still unaware of this, but we're, our world is racing headlong, folks, toward a fateful date with destiny, uh, destiny, the epic struggle that the Bible indicates it, that will come to a climax at a place called Megiddo, you know, which what we know as Armageddon. We've all heard that term, Armageddon. And as this world nears this date of infamy, uh, infamy the people and the nations of this world are going to go through a, a period of seven years tribulation and they're going to have a decision to make. In other words, if you are not taken out at the rapture of the church, which could happen at any moment, listen, there is no prophecy that must be fulfilled before the rapture of the church takes place. Now the rapture of the church is when Jesus Christ will simply appear in the air, a trumpet is going to sound, those who have died in Christ, who knew Christ as their personal Savior, are going to be resurrected, then those of us which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That is the rapture of the church. That will be a secret event. The only people that will hear that trumpet are those who are saved. The only people that's going to leave this world are those who are saved. 
If you are not saved here this morning and the rapture of the church happens today, if the rapture takes place today, if it takes place tomorrow, you will be left here on this earth to go through a seven-year tribulation period that's going to be hell on earth. Satan is going to be unleashed. The Holy Spirit will be taken away. There will be no restrainer for evil. If you think this world is evil today, you have not seen nothing yet. The only thing that keeps this world from being any more evil than what it is today is the restraining of God's Holy Spirit upon this earth. But during the tribulation period, the Holy Spirit will be taken away and you, won't, you haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen nothing yet. But the, the, the primary reason that God, you know, has put so much prophetic detail within the Word of God is so that the world will be informed that if, if you are left here during that tribulation period, you better not take the mark of the beast because if you take the mark of the beast, you are going to find yourself in this valley of Megiddo that we're going to see here and we're going to talk about here this morning. Those who choose to take the mark of the beast, those who choose to be on the side of Satan and his, and his uh, antichrist, you will be marched down to a valley of decision. You will be taken to the valley of Megiddo. And most people have heard of Armageddon. And when we hear of Armageddon, we simply, it is, it is synonymous with the final conflict of the ages between good and evil. Now let me just give you some, some history here just briefly about the Valley of Megiddo. You know, over the past 4,000 years, there have been at least 34 bloody conflicts that have been fought at this place called Megiddo. This place that the, uh, when Jesus Christ comes for the second coming, where this final battle will be taking place. Some 34 bloody battles have been uh, uh, taken place, have taken place, should we say, in this valley of Megiddo and its adjoining areas in the Jezreel Valley. Now throughout history, Megiddo and the Jezreel Valley have been ground zero for uh, uh, battles that have determined the course of civilization. And what we'll look at today will be that final battle that takes place at this site. And as we can see, as you're going to see this morning, it is going to be the most bloodiest and devastating you know, war that has ever been fought. We, evil is going to think that it can overtake good. The devil is going to think in one final battle he can overcome Jesus and God. Satan thinks he can finally destroy Christ. And what he is going to do is deceive millions of people into believing this lie. And let's look at the ultimate fulfillment of Joel's prophecy where he talks about multitudes are going to end up in this valley of decision. First of all, let's talk about this great gathering. We see a great gathering in, in Revelation chapter 16, verse 6, where the Scripture says this, And He, who is He? He is in reference to God. God is going to gather together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon, millions of people. So what we see, first of all, and I want you to understand, when this great gathering takes place, it's going to be a result of God gathering together people. And, and I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that in a moment. The battle of Armageddon is the final staging ground of Satan's last stand. Can I tell you something? Custer had a last stand at Little Bighorn. Uh, Napoleon had his last stand at Waterloo. And Satan is going to have his last stand at this valley of decision, the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon. And though it's going to be a relatively short battle, let me tell you something, there's going to be millions of people you know, killed in just that quick. 
It's going to be a very short battle, but it's going to be like no other war, no other battle ever fought in history. Now, the great gathering, and this is important to understand, is going to be initiated by God himself. Turn to Zechariah chapter 14. Now, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning, so please keep your Bibles open or keep your tablet open for those who follow on your tablet or your iPhone. Zechariah chapter 14. I want you to see that this great gathering in this valley of Megiddo, this great gathering for this final battle of Armageddon is going to be initiated by God. Here's what he says, verse 2, chapter 14 of the book of Zechariah. For I, God Jehovah, I, he says, will gather. God is clear on this, that he is going to gather a certain group or groups of people. He says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now look what's going to happen when Jesus Christ comes back. His feet shall stand that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east and the Mount uh, uh, of olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall be removed toward the north and into the south. What Zechariah is prophe uh, prophesying there, when Jesus Christ comes back and he steps his feet on this earth, his feet will just open up this valley of Jezreel even bigger than it is now. Mountains are going to fall. You know, the earth is going to become flat in that area. There still will be that valley that we're going to look at here in just a moment. This great gathering is something that has been prophesied since uh, the beginning of time. In fact, in the book of Genesis, we see this prophecy first mentioned when Adam and Eve was cast out of the garden and God said at that time, he said, I will put enemy between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy heel, but thou shall bruise his head. That was prophecy concerning this very battle here also. You see, certainly Satan bruised the heel of Jesus Christ when Jesus hung on the cross and he died for our sins. But Jesus Christ arose victorious. Why? Because a, 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 a wound to the heel is not, you know, a wound that is fatal. But Jesus Christ is going to bruise the head of Satan, a, 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 uh, when you when you when you uh, you know hit people in the head or when the, you know there is a blow to the head that can be fatal. Now at this battle we're talking about this morning it will not be fatal, but he, he will bound Satan for a thousand years, and then later on at the battle of Gog and Magog he will finally do away with Satan as he cast him into hell. Now the next thing I want you to see here is in Revelation 14, 14. You see the gathering will be a gathering of the ripe fruit only. Let's talk about this. Revelation 14, 14. Now, this is this what's taking place here in the, in the book of Revelation. Is the, what's going to take place in this valley of Megiddo, in what we call the battle of Armageddon. So I want you to see what's going to take place. Jesus is going to come down. We see in Zechariah, he's going to step his feet on the mountain. 
the mountains to the north and the south are going to rise flat or go flat, okay? Now, here's what's going to happen. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud set one like unto the Son of Man. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, uh, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's going to come down on a cloud, and he's going to have a, on his head a golden crown. So we know this is Christ. And he had in his hand a sharp sickle. Now look at verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, cried out to Christ, Thrust thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe, and he that sat on the cloud thrust his sickle in the earth, and the sickle, I mean, excuse me, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud, uh, with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth. Now look, look what happens here. Don't miss this in verse 19. That This angel thrust his sickle into the earth. He gathered the vine of the earth and he takes and he casts them into a wine press. Now I think we all know what a wine press is. A wine press is where they put, put all the grapes. And they used to stomp the grapes. They don't do that no more, of course. But they used to dump all the grapes in this, in, this, in this wooden barrel, this wooden wine press, and they would stomp on the grapes. The prophet here is saying just as they dumped all the grapes and the people would get in there and smash the grapes and the grape juice would begin running in order to make the wine. He said when this event takes place, the, 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 the people will be gathered up, they will be dumped into the wine press, but this is going to be a wine press of the wrath of God. They're going to be dumped in this valley of Jerah. And Jesus Christ is going to come in His fury. Now look at verse 20. Don't miss this. The wine press was trodden without the, uh, without the city, and the blood came out of the wine press, even into the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and six furlongs or 200 miles. Do you know how many people, horses, that it would take for the blood to run about this deep for the space of 200 miles? Folks, there's going to be a lot of people who are taken and dumped in that wine press following the tribulation period. And the sad thing is, they don't have to be. But when the wrath of God is poured out on this day, when the wrath of God is poured out on the day of the Lord, it's going to be a very devastating day. You see, what we see is at the coming of the Lord. Now again, this is the second coming, not the rapture. I'm going I'm to break them down for you here in a moment. What we see on this great day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, is the gathering, two gatherings that take place. And once these people are gathered, they're going to be dumped into this wine press. The first is this. The first harvest is the gathering of the armies of the earth to the valley of Armageddon. What we saw there is that, first of all, there's going to be all the armies 
of the earth gathered together. Now, who is this army? Okay? He's prepare, he is preparing them for the battle that's to become in this army of uh, this valley of decision. These are not only those who made the choice to take the mark of the beast, but they're also those who chose to serve in the army of Antichrist. They also chose to kill people who would not take the mark of the beast. These are the army. This is the army that Satan has put together for the tribulation period or during the tribulation period. And the first harvest is going to be all of those who took the mark of the beast, joined the army of the Antichrist, went about this earth killing people. Let me tell you something. I don't know how many of you have seen the video uh, of, the, of them killing the, the Coptic Christians in, you know, on the beach and they you know, cut their throat and it even turned the water in the, in the ocean red. That's nothing what's going to be compared to, uh, to, compared to what's going to happen during this tribulation period. This army of Antichrist, this army of Satan is going to kill people who do not take the mark of the beast. They're going to kill little children. It doesn't matter to them. They're going to go out this world just uh, uh, destroying anybody who is in favor of Christ. Anybody who doesn't take the mark of the beast. So they're going to be the first harvest. They're going to be taken up, this army, and they're going to be dumped into the winepress, the valley of Megiddo. Now, the second harvest is the gathering of the vine of the earth. Now, the vine of the earth would be all the evil of the earth, all that have given allegiance to the beast and taken his mark. In other words, they may not have, uh, have joined the army, but they took the mark. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture here in just a moment where Jesus said, those who seek to save their life shall lose it. You see, during the tribulation period, there will be many people who take the mark of the beast because they think, well, if I take the mark of the beast, I'll save my life. If I take the mark of the beast, I will be able to get medical attention. If I take the mark of the beast, I will be able to buy food. I'll be able to buy groceries. I'll be able to buy water. If I take the mark of the beast, I will live. Because I will be able to buy all of these things that I need. You see, for those who refuse the mark of the beast, they will not be able to buy and sell during the tribulation period. It will all be underground. But people will say, well, in order to live, I've got to take up the mark of the beast. Jesus says, those who think they're going to live will die. So these are the ones here that may not have joined the army Okay, but they've given their support to Antichrist. They've given their support to the beast. They've given their support to, the, to, to Satan. They're going to be gathered together after the harvest of the army, and they too will be dumped into the valley of Megiddo. Now, the third thing I want you to see here, the process of this gathering. Let, let's see how this, how will this take place. What is going to happen? How is everybody going to get from wherever they are, even here in the United States, wherever they might be. How will people get from point A to point B? Point B being the Valley of Jezreel, the Valley of Megiddo, Armageddon. How will people get from one place to the other? Now, turn to Luke chapter 17. Because Luke chapter 17 is one passage of Scripture that many, many people take out of context. And when you take Luke chapter 17 out of context, it becomes a very confusing passage of Scripture. But when we leave it in context, it's a very simple passage of Scripture. You see, any time we take Scripture out of context, it's going to be confusing. 
But look at Luke chapter 17. I'm going to keep it in context with you. And I want you to see how clear it is. You see, many do not understand the process of this event. And they confuse it with the rapture of the church because they totally take Luke chapter 17 out of context. And I can understand how taking Luke chapter 17 out of context would lead one to believe that Luke 17 is talking about the rapture of the church, how one is going to be left and one is going to be taken away. And we know that during the rapture of the church, it will be that away. You know, one's going to be taken, one's going to be left. But the one taken during the rapture, where are they going? Heaven. I want to suggest to you this morning that in Luke chapter 17, the one that is taken is not going to be taken to heaven. The one that's going to be taken in Luke chapter 17, let's see where they're going to be taken if it's not heaven. Luke chapter 17 beginning with verse 24. For as lightning, or excuse me, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part of the heaven and shines into the other part of the heaven, so shall the Son of Man be on this day. Now let's stop right there for a moment. I want you to get the picture here. When lightning flashes from one side to the other, it is a very visible sight. Would you not agree with that? We see the lightning, correct? All right, so Luke chapter 17, verse 24 starts off right now letting us know that this is going to be a public event. That it's not going to be a private event. This is going to be an event that he's fixing to explain here that everyone will see, just like everyone sees lightning. Okay, so keep that in mind. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part into the heaven shines into the other part of heaven, so shall the, also the Son of Man be on his day. So everyone's going to see him. Verse 25. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the floods came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, even as in the days of Lot, they did eat and they drank and they bought and they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, don't miss it. When he's revealed, in other words, it is going to be a public sight. Everyone will see it. 31. In that day, what day? The day that the Son of Man is going to be revealed. In that day, he who shall be on the housetop and his goods in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife? Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. This is a passage I was telling you about a while ago. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. In other words, if you seek to save your life by taking that mark of the beast, you're going to lose it now. You're going to lose it on this day. But he who seeks to lose his life, in other words, he who says, I will not take the mark of the beast, even though it means my life, he says, he will be saved. He will save it. Now let's read on. Verse 34. I tell you, in that night there shall be, here's where the confusing thing is, here's why some people think this is talking about the rapture of the church. 
In that night there shall be two men in one bed, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Two uh, women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. It's the rapture. That's what people say. One's going to be taken and one's going to be left. But I want, you to, I want you to look at verse 37 because this kind of confused the disciples. Because the disciples knew that Jesus was talking here about the second coming. And they said, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. But the rapture, one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. So they were kind of perplexed. And look what they asked him here. Here's how we know they didn't quite understand what he was saying. Because in verse 37, they answered him. They said, whoa, 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 whoa. Where, Lord? Where is this one going to be taken? Because we know the rapture of the church is not going to be a public event. We know the rapture of the church is going to be a private thing that only your people will hear the trumpets call. But you're saying this is going to be a public event that all is going to see, that you're going to be revealed. So, wait a minute, Lord. Where are these going to be taken? Now, here's the key. Wherever the body is, the body of what? The body of those who are going to be taken. Wherever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. The word eagle there is the Greek word aethos. It means birds of prey. It means circumambient birds. It could include eagles, it could include buzzards, it could include crows, hawks, any circumambient bird. Any bird of prey. Any bird that eats flesh. Hmm. So this one that's taken, they're going to be taken to where the birds are gathered? They're, they're going to be taken, they're not taken to heaven, they're going to be taken where the birds are gathered? So if we want to know where this one that's taken is going to be taken, we've got to first find out where the birds are going to be gathered. You see, the great gathering of birds of prey is found in only one place, and we're going to look at that here in just a moment. But look here. Let me give you five observations real quickly here of Luke chapter 17. First of all, this day will be a public viewing of Christ, not a private viewing as the rapture. In other words, everyone's going to see it just like lightning flashes. Everyone will see it. So it's going to be a public viewing. The second thing is, the time just prior to His coming will be a great time of devastation and destruction. Folks, we haven't seen nothing yet. ISIS is running around rampant, cutting the throats of Christians and everyone else. We think it could not get no worse than this. Trust me, it will get worse than this. The third thing is this, that this will be a day in which there is a revealing of Christ. In other words, He will be revealed. The fourth thing is the harvesting will be a selective in nature. And the fifth thing is those taken will not be taken to heaven. Rather, they will be taken to a place that there's a great gathering of birds of prey. So where is this? Where is the only place in the Scripture we see a great gathering of birds of prey, turn, if you would, to Revelation 19. The only place in God's Word that we see a great gathering of birds of prey. 
So Jesus said, when the disciples said, now, whoa, 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 where are these guys going to be taken? Because this is not the rapture you're speaking of, because this is a public event. This is going to be revealing you, so it's not the rapture. So where are they going to be taken? You've got us totally confused, Lord. Jesus said, where the birds are gathered, that's where they're going to be taken. The one that is taken, that's where they'll be taken. Look at Revelation chapter 19. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To, to who? All the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. In other words, God calls out to all the birds of prey. Look what he says. Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and all of them that sat on them, speaking about the horses, and, all, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Remember, this is after the rapture of the church and at the end of the tribulation period. God is going to call all the birds together to where? To the great wine press. Why? Because blood will be flowing as deep as the horse's bridle for a distance of 200 miles. The birds will be called in to clean up the mess, folks. To clean up the mess. We have here, what we have here is all the evil of the world. All who have ever worshipped the beast. All who have ever taken his mark. All who have sworn allegiance to the beast, taken by God. One be taken, one be left. The one taken will be taken by God and dumped into this great wine press to be trodden under the foot of Jesus Christ and destroyed. Why? Because they made the choice of Satan over God. They made the choice, seeking to save their life, to take the mark of the beast. But in reality, they lost their life because of the choice they made. Listen, every one of us in this room today have choices to make in life every day. And every choice you make is going to have a consequence Later, we see in chapter 20 that the beast and the false prophet are cast alive and into the lake of fire. Satan's going to be put in chains and bound for a thousand years. Now, let's go back to Joel's prophecy before I close. Back in Joel 3. But now I want to go back up to verse 12 and begin there. Because I want you to see when Joel said, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I want you to see that Joel was prophesying the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy is what I've just explained to you. Armageddon. The great battle in the valley of Megiddo. Here's what he said. Let the nations be awakened and come up to the valley of uh, uh, Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all nations round about. Look at verse 13. Put in the sickle, 
for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The vats overflow. Now stop and think about this. The vat is going to be, you know, an area 200 miles long and probably 100 miles wide. That's a big vat. And he said the vat is going to be full. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down, for the press is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. You want me to tell you how near this valley of decision is? This event I have just explained to you, you know how far off it is? It could be as soon as seven years. It could be longer. It can't be no closer than that because the rapture hadn't taken place yet. But it could be as soon as seven years from today if the rapture happened today. What judgment and destruction, but yet what mercy God demonstrates as he gives warning after warning and chance after chance for people to turn from their wicked ways. There's some of you here this morning that this may be your last chance to turn from your wicked ways. This may be your last chance to make a decision to turn to Christ and give your heart and your life to him. If you miss the rapture and you end up in the tribulation, and you end up in this valley of decision, if you find yourself in this vat that is overflowing, don't blame God because you will be there as a result of a choice you made one day to not accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. America, wake up because we're headed for a valley of decision as a nation. Judgment's coming upon this nation. We talked to you greatly, uh, extensively last week about that. Look, you personally, as an individual, if you do not know Christ as your personal Savior, you're headed for a valley of decision. Our society has taken and they have made evil good and good evil. Just like in the days of Noah, we're eating and drinking and giving in marriage. We're thumbing our nose in the face of the living God. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe unto those. In other words, you better take warning. Woe unto those that call evil good and good evil, or that put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In closing, the ultimate fulfillment of Joel's prophecy is not far off. And listen, you better be ready. You better be ready when the rapture of the church comes. So you won't have to make the decision, do I take the mark of the beast so I can live? Or do I refuse the mark of the beast and as a result have to give my life? You don't want to make that decision. This will be a terrible day. However, those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we have nothing to fear. And you know what our prayer should be? Our prayer should simply be Maranatha. Maranatha simply means, come Lord Jesus. My prayer is that Jesus would come shortly and rapture his church. You know what? When he does, I'm out of here. What about you? Can you say without a doubt, without second guessing, 
that if the rapture happens today, you're going to be taken out? Or would you say, you know what, I probably won't be one that's in that private calling, and I'm going to be left behind to go through this seven-year tribulation period and probably wind up in that vat that's going to be overflowing and have to face the wrath of Jesus Christ. It don't have to be that way, folks. We're going to give you an opportunity right now to ask Jesus Christ to come and be your Lord and Savior for you to be saved so you can have the assurance that if the rapture happens today, you're out of here. You won't have to worry about this valley of... Death.